0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Passing Nimes. Really excited for today's guest. She grew up playing for the Tobago Titans and Leaside Volleyball Club, where she's a two-time OVA provincial champion. She's got a silver from Nationals before she went on to play university at Loyola U in Chicago. And she's played professionally in Poland, Switzerland, and Israel. Please welcome to the show, Gabby Machigowski. Gabby, thanks for doing this.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having me.
0: This is awesome. Like I started the show and I wanted to interview people like you, and it's about time it happened. So See you at the beach every day. You're having a blast. But uh, let's cover your career before we get to you having like the best summer ever, it seems like. It always just seems like you're having the best day ever, which is great to see you smiling at the beach. But uh, where did it all begin for you? So before you were a professional volleyball player, like what other sports were you playing as a kid? Or did you always know the volleyball was going to be your thing?
1: Um, No, I was in martial arts for a really long time. Um, I did Taekwondo for like a number of years. I actually have a second-degree black belt. And so I started with that. Um, I was pretty, I don't, like, I don't want to brag, but I was pretty good at that. And um, they, I mean, I i started really young, but um, I was pretty promising in that. But I, I didn't like how individual it was. I really wanted to be part of a team. And then I started playing volleyball. Um, I started... At school actually in like the sixth grade and I also had a uh, neighbor two years older than me and she started playing for Etobicoke Titans Um, and then she would take me to the park and we would just like she would teach me how to pepper and then that's just how I fell in love with the game
0: that's awesome so what did your parents think because obviously they want the best for you and you're excelling at this sport did they just know that you wanted to be a team sport athlete I'm just curious. How you're doing so well at one thing, and then just decided to give it up
1: um it was definitely <laughs> tough for my dad um, he grew up like playing so many sports, and um he grew up in Poland, so it's like whenever you joined a sport there it was it wasn't for leisure it was you were trying to become the best at whatever you were doing like it wasn't that much of a hobby because people didn't have that much money there and so here um going into sport, I was always pushed to be the best. And so I went from being like one of the top in martial arts to being like a rookie in volleyball and starting fresh. And so the first year was definitely tough, but I think the martial arts really helped me create like a really good foundation for nation. And yeah, that just really helped me um, improve in volleyball a lot faster than I think others.
0: Yeah. I was just going to ask about that. Like anyone who's ever seen you play for somebody, your height, like I think you're, you're six or six one and you're a jumper, but you're so coordinated and smooth. So I I think science would be like proprioception or coordination or just your ability to like move your body in space. Like, did you find that you were learning maybe a little bit faster than the other athletes or it was fun because you were accelerating? Like it must've transferred to be so good at mixed martial arts to then be able to play volleyball. Right.
1: Yeah. I just had um, such a better understanding of like how my body would work. And it also helped with, um, you learn so much discipline in martial arts that like, I was always really focused in practice and like always wanted to get better. So I think that also put me above others because I started when I was 12. Um, and I think kids are still learning how to be coordinated. Then like I, I work, these Phoenix beach camps and I still have 12 year olds like learning to catch a ball sometimes. So
0: for sure. And was there anything that transferred from being an individual athlete? Like when we had Lane Van Ruskirk on the show, she excelled at tennis at a young age. And I think she preferred team sports, obviously to pursue volleyball, but it, there's just that like little bit of extra like ownership or that little bit of extra compete. And I'm wondering if you felt that going from a purely individual sport to then a team sport.
1: Yeah, I totally like agree with that. And it's almost like you find more uh what's the word? Um not like self-initiative, but um self-motivation, which um I think you if you're only playing team sports is like a little harder because you're always relying on other people. But I was really comfortable switching between relying solely on myself or like relying on my teammates. It's
0: nice. So as you went through your club career and your high school career, I think it's it's almost normalized at this point. Where around 16 u, 17 u, 18 u, people start looking for a competitive experience, or they change clubs, or honestly, less people stop playing our sport around 16 u. I think is the peak age group mm-hmm. here in Ontario. Uh, what made you choose Lee Side? Like, were you speaking to other athletes? Was it just time to move to a different club within the GTA? Like, what, was that a tough decision or a pretty easy decision for what you wanted to accomplish?
1: Um, it was pretty tough. I had a lot of good friends at Tight Titans and. Um, I was like working with the staff, like all three years, I had the same coaches and they were really great, but, um, I had to, I think before that summer, I decided that I wanted to go to this, like work for a scholarship and go down to the States for school. And I was playing middle, um, at Etobicoke Titans and I knew I wouldn't be recruited as a middle. Like I was too short for a middle at, I'm just under six one. So um and I was trying out for other teams in the GTA area. And I think Lee Side was the one of the only ones that would be able to move me to the outside. Yeah, and so that was a big like deciding factor is that I'd like be able to move positions and like this is a position that I could get recruited in.
0: That's that's interesting that you suffered from let's put the tall kid in the middle. So you yeah. knew, knew you wanted to play outside, but uh, I'm always curious. You're so many reps behind serve receive as far as like tracking the ball and moving your feet and just like, it's such an important skill. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that frustrating when you finally got a chance to play outside or did you feel because you were such an athlete, you could figure it out because not to exaggerate, but if you didn't play middle for your first three years of club, you're probably thousands of reps behind the other athletes who did play outside, right? Um, It wasn't
1: that bad because at, we didn't have lebert Cause I played, well, we played two, it was 13U. I think I started. Yeah. 13U, but we played up to 14U. So then, um, two years of 14U and 15U, we didn't have liberos. Oh, you got lucky
0: with the LTD rules that, yeah, no libs. Okay. Nice.
1: So, and then I was playing beach or like getting any kind of beach reps I could during the summer.
0: Nice. Okay. So Take me through into those Lee side years because those are the years you took down provincial championships and I got to be around the team and nationals. Like that was a pretty stacked roster. Like I think uh, you, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your Tia's age. I think you played a year with Tori Grell. Yes. Like it seemed like a really competitive mm-hmm. yes. age group. So what was it like walking into the gym just knowing you're in a battle because of just who was across the net or even on your side?
1: Well, it was. I think the first year joining Lee side, we were definitely the underdogs because the year before they um did not perform that well and I had like Alex Paletto on my team and it was Tia, um a couple other girls that like grew up playing Lee Side. And we started I think at tournaments, I swear we started in like Challenger and then we just kept winning and like worked our way up and we're definitely the underdogs at Provincials and we ended up um finishing second that year. Uh we beat Think the team was Eclipse and they were like three time champions at that point. And then at nationals, we just kept going and we had Melvin Lowe and Gabby jobs were our coaches that year. Like, like it was like an incredible year. Like I, I think I improved so much. I learned so much that year. Um, we kept going at nationals, ended up finishing second. Like we're, definitely like definitely surprised everyone and then after that um people started to look at us and we started getting kind of like the top players in the gta started coming to our team
0: from that yeah it, as you say eclipse there i'm thinking back because that club i don't think currently exists but was that not where mm-hmm. kelsey belvin played yes mm-hmm. Yeah, so you definitely had some good battles. So uh, I'm glad you brought up Melvin and uh, Gabby there. So what can you say what the practices were like because obviously uh, I think it was recent at that time Gabby had stepped down from the waterloo position coaching in U sports but it was before she took on like a bigger role with Halton, right? So I think she just coached yes. your team. So mm-hmm. what was that like with a pretty technical coach, a pretty accomplished athlete in her own right and now she's working with you and I think she was an outside hitter so probably pretty passionate about the position. Like what did you take from that season?
1: Um it was just, it was, there was so much like discipline. I loved it. It was, I think it also catered to me because of my history with martial arts, but like she had the, the team like so disciplined and like our drills were so technical and everything was like by the rules. And like, I, <laughs> I loved it. Um, and it showed cause we just kept getting better and better every year. And I always like I see her down at the beach sometime and I always like go over to talk to her. She is by far like one of my best coaches out of my like entire career. I've learned so much from her.
0: Nice. And then to go to your 18 year, I think that's when Tori uh, Defensa may have folded or she left. So then she comes over Yes. and I think you had the mm-hmm. Adler sisters, like a bunch of athletes who were like yes. mm-hmm. c- committed to playing post-secondary. So did you know that you were going to play in the NCAA going into that year or did that kind of confirm it with not only who was on your team, but who else you were playing against like on the OVA or the VC circuit that year that like your age group was pretty special, but you were definitely in the top tier as well.
1: Yeah. So, um, I knew going into that, um, season that I was going to the state. So I had verbally committed at the end of grade 11 to university of Buffalo. Um, and then going into, yeah, going into that 18 new year, um, I think around October or November, that's when like all of us signed. So there were quite a few of us that went down to the States. And yeah,
0: I was just going to say, take me and the listeners through the process that, uh, it's not a spoiler because we, we all know you went to Loyola. So how do you commit to one school and then decide on another? So you gave a verbal. So I guess that's not official. Like there must be a signing date. So uh, what made you want to kind of shop around? Or did Loyola start to approach you at like a different tournament? Like when did you know you had a little bit different options as the year progressed?
1: So I did end up signing with Buffalo. Um, I think the early signing date is like October or, or November. And I that's when I signed. And I like had full plans to go there. Um, they had a really strong coach at the time. His name was Reed Sanahara. Um, he was one of like the main reasons why I wanted to go. Like I, I knew at that point I wanted to play pro. And he was someone that could get me there. Like He had national team experience and all this stuff. And then around March, he left and went to West Virginia. And it was like a total shock. Like no one knew it was coming. And because of that, um, you have the option to get released from your, they call it your national letter of intent. Um, and so I spoke with like the new coach that they hired and everything. And it just wasn't something that, uh, I thought I would fit into. And so I asked for a release and it was like super quick. And so once I was released from that, I was able to talk to new schools.
0: Nice. Okay. So yeah, it's not a super easy process, but it sounds like they made it uh, accessible for you and pretty, uh, to use the word smooth again, I I guess it, it didn't turn into like this big fight or this conflict. So when did Loyola enter the picture? Like, was it when you guys started going to uh, U.S. events or did they come to Canada? Because uh, Chicago is not too far from home, but it's still a bit of a trip, right? So I'm curious how they got on your radar.
1: Um, I think they, they saw me down, I think we were playing in Kentucky and they saw me there. Um, but I wasn't released from my... Um, my letter with Buffalo yet, but I mean, there were kind of, there were like rumors going around, um, that I asked for a release. It just wasn't approved yet. And I also think the assistant coach from Buffalo knew who, um, I think they let go like the entire coaching staff once the head coach left. So the assistant coach knew, um, was like good friends with, uh, one of the recruiting coaches from Loyola. So I think they, they asked about me. And then once I got that letter or that release was confirmed, um, I got a phone call from them like that following night.
0: Nice. Okay. So before we get to university, I just want to talk to nationals that year because, uh, I was there coaching a boys team, but I did try to help it with the women. And I remember there was just mm-hmm. to me, an absolute heartbreaking moment. And I've never seen a match switch this fast. Do you remember your match against dinos?
1: Uh, oh, I think it was, it, that was um, in power pools, right?
0: Yes. And the way I remember yeah, I might get the, the scores way. wrong, but uh, I feel like we scored and I say we, cause I, I'm generally in the stands, but I was so invested. And I think it would have put us up 1311. The lines person called it out, which it was clearly not, uh, starts this big argument. So now it was, it would have been 1311 us. Now it ends up being uh 12 all, Christian Redman, who is like a pretty contained guy, uh, drops his Mm -hmm. clipboard. That gets a card. All of a sudden, the other team's now up one. And it was like this weird two-point swing where we should have been up two, but now we're down one. Uh, And it was Mm -hmm. just this weird event. And I'm just curious, how were you guys able to regroup? Because I don't think it sunk your team, but me as a fan, I was so heartbroken. And Christian felt absolutely terrible that he cost us a point in that situation. But uh, I'm just curious, with Nationals being that competitive, and then I think we played BCO the next day in the quarters maybe, but Mm -hmm. it, it just seemed like every point was so valuable that that one stands in my mind because christian felt so bad and all he did was really it was like a hang. he didn't even like slam his clipboard he just dropped it on the ground but anyways like just take me through nationals in your age group where literally every point or every match seems that memorable
1: you know what i actually kind of uh forgot about that until you reminded me oh
0: no <laughs> now you're gonna replay no, it in no, your no, mind
1: it's okay. <laughs> no. yeah it's actually i'm playing the game in my head right now. Um, I think I I remember that first day we ended up losing a game to Halton that like we beat them all season and it was like a game that we definitely should have won and that what is what caused us to play dinos in um the next day and yeah I remember that. I think yeah it was the third set uh, but I remember that ball I think they served it out and it was like a good foot or two out like very clear. And yeah, the lines person called it in. Um, and I, yeah, I vividly remember Christian, I think it was Christian and John were both on the bench and Christian like threw something on the ground and they both stood up. Like everyone was yelling, like parents were yelling and yeah, then yeah, we got a card for that. Um, yeah, that, You know, I don't, I think it was, it was a disappointing loss, but we weren't in those tournaments. You have to be able to, I think it teaches you to bounce back pretty quick because, I mean, you have three to four games a day, um, every single day and we had another game probably an hour. or So after that, we had to bounce back pretty quick. I think we ended up going to three in that next game too, which with a team that we easily beat in two sets before.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why this moment stands out in my mind so well, is because you're right. The parents were upset. The coaches were upset, but I never felt as the athletes, you guys were too rattled. That's why I was so impressed that you guys were able to bounce back. But uh, I think it just comments on how competitive it was because when you, we played BCO the next day, I believe I can't place their names, but I feel like their outside hitter and their setter both went on to play for our national team. Uh, but anyways, it's just such a strong age group that I, I was just so impressed how you guys were able to handle yourselves.
1: Yeah, I think the top three favorites were us Dinos and BCO, and then um, we were we were unlucky that we had to play Dinos and Power pool, and then we had to play um, BCO in the quarters. And um, I think we I think we went to three with them as well. And, um, and like we were hoping that that would have been like our semi or our final, but um, couldn't pull out the win that day. But Yeah, those are some memories.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As I rattle you, as I bring it back up. but Yeah, yeah, that's just how vivid it is. It's still in my mind. I can't remember the score, but I remember the situation so specifically. But uh, to jump ahead, so you end up at Loyola. And Mm -hmm. man, Chicago just seems like such a volleyball hotbed right now, especially on the men's side. So I'm curious, what was it like playing in the NCAA? Because now the level of competition, I'm sure, gets accelerated a little bit. You're probably getting fans because they do love volleyball in that area. So what were some of your first impressions of being an NCAA athlete?
1: But I was, my first year at school, I was so lost. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> like it was such a jump um, from high school, even just having to um, balance school and volleyball at the same time. And like the school is so much more intense than what it is in high school. And the volleyball in the NCAA is just, so much faster and i think a lot of um like players in the OVA that end up going to play in ontario the universities they they still end up playing against like the same people they grew up with and so it was like whole new people that i had no idea how they played like different styles of games there were a lot of hang and bang teams a lot of um teams that just relied on speed And, like, I've never done film before on a team. And at Loyola, like, the first game, it was in preseason. They started teaching us about film, and we would have these um, preseason quizzes every day on, like, the teams in our conference. I had no idea what was going on. Like, I didn't even know how rotations worked. (laughs) Like, I was so used to being put on the on the court and them just saying, okay, I'll just go hit some balls, like score.
0: <laughs> and did you have expectations to start? Cause obviously you're in the lineup as a first year, which is pretty special, but was that part of the deal of you going to Loyola or did you feel like you had to earn that through a pretty strong uh, preseason?
1: No, I had no idea. That's what would happen. So the funny story is our, um, so I got recruited there as an outside and then I got moved to opposite right away. And it was, really strange that through all of preseason at practices, I would play on the outside. Um, and then the first game we played, he put me as opposite. And I was so nervous our first game and it was a home tournament. Um, I think, no, we didn't play Northwestern. Then it was Northwestern was in that tournament, but the first game, the coach meets with us like outside of the gym right before we have to go in with like the starting lineup. And he goes, all right, like we're playing a six, two with Gabby. And all I remember thinking is like, I haven't been practicing my sets. Like I thought he wanted me to be. <laughs> so, um, that was definitely nerve wracking and not my best season by far. Um, but yeah i I mean like I learned a lot from it um had to get used to coming in and out um with the basically NCAA women's you can have it's almost like unlimited substitutions, so you can play a six two the entire game um so you 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 get hot and then you get cold, so um that was. Something I really had to get used to. I don't think I did um that first year.
0: Now, is that something that brings the team together? Because like you said, you can play a 6-2 the whole match. That means as a right side, you know you're gonna play. As a setter, you know you're gonna play. Like because there's so many more athletes more invested than like a true seven that you might see like under the international rules, like do you feel like that helps that everyone feels like a little bit more invested and involved, or like you said, is it maybe not worth the, the fuss because you, you play three rotations and then you're out? And like you said, you're getting cold or you don't feel as connected?
1: Um, I didn't think I felt as connected with the girls. Um, my best friend was this, one of like the starting outsides. And I think she would disagree with me, but she played like full rotation. So I think that's why. Um, coming in and out, the second opposite was a senior, like definitely did not like me. <laughs> um, and I think a big reason was because like, we would switch uh, switch positions on the court all the time. Um, but yeah, I never felt like a good relationship with the girls, I think because of that. And I think that did affect like, the chemistry.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I, I imagine there are some unintentional consequences of doing it where in my mind I'm thinking, Oh, like maybe like 10 people feel like they're going to play and contribute where like, you're right. it, it switches so fast, but it, it's interesting hearing you be a right side, which makes sense in your bio here that because you contributed so well, getting so many blocks. So I'm curious, was that a skill you were comfortable with from playing a lot of beach and playing club? Or is that maybe something you improved at maybe the most uh, going to the NCAA? I think I
1: was better than, uh the average girl coming into the NCAA mainly because of um, my history with beach. Um, I played like team Ontario for a couple years and was a blocker all of those years. So that definitely helped with my, like being able to press and like my timing. Um, And then as my years at Loyola went on, we had specific blocking coaches. Um, and that like helped a lot. And I think uh, other than our middles, I think most years I was like one of the top blockers
0: there. Now, I'm curious when you say blocking coach, because as a beach coach, I always get frustrated with some indoor people that, you know, they play such a strong system that they're not encouraged to like reach or press or really get eyes on the hitter. Like it's almost like you take a zone more. Where uh, I'm curious at Loyola, were you maybe given a little bit more freedom that if you knew you could drop a hand and get somebody? Or what were some things that you were doing in these blocking sessions that really helped you improve?
1: Uh, We had a coach coming from, he used to play at UCLA, but he was a, men's coach and so he was teaching us a lot more about um getting set with the hitter and like being able to take up space like dropping your hand um so that that definitely helped a lot
0: and the other thing that stood out as, as i go through the history of you with uh loyal you is the amount of digs you got later in your career is that a credit did you end up playing uh outside hitter in your last few years or did they leave you in on the back row for you to be getting like 13 14 15 digs a match i imagine you weren't just like a, a three rotation player anymore
1: yeah i ended up playing like full uh full six rotations i think I think god i feel like everything was so long ago but i know i think my <laughs> senior year um they there were times where they did switch me out in the back row for a ds but um yeah I was able to get some digs. I think I was known as like the weaker digger that uh or defender that teams would like aim for me and I feel like i w- I just ended up being in the, in the right spot the <laughs> 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 and and to be fair, my setter did not make it out to block the line a lot and So I wouldn't have enough time to pull back. So I would just get really low. Like I'm talking my butt almost like two inches above the ground and just, um, put my hands up and I got so many (laughs) (laughs) handers.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And then just the last thing that stood out in your stats, I don't even know how this is possible. Maybe you felt awesome and engaged, but the amount of matches you played with 20 plus kills, like, What's it like in the game plan? Or is that just how the match progressed so that you kept getting volume? Like, did you know every night you were going to get, like, 40 attempts?
1: Yeah, that year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it started off well in preseason, and we just kept going.
0: Now... So with you watching video I imagine like a lot of it's on the other team but would you ever self scout or do you ever interpret like uh, obviously you're getting that much volume the other team's going to start game planning for you like did you feel pressure to kind of up your game and learn a couple new shots or were you so confident going strength on strength that you knew you were going to get the job done with the tools you had
1: Um we would do like self assessments so usually we played Friday Saturday and then we would have video on ourselves Monday, Tuesday, beginning of the week. And then Wednesday, Thursday, that's when we're doing film on
0: other teams. And what was some feedback you took or some things that you kept like tweaking your game on when you're doing your self video?
1: A lot of it was like not being greedy. Um, when you're up there, if you see like one block, it's not trying to hit straight down. It's it's I've, It's weird too, because now... Playing overseas, I feel like that's so different. But playing in the NCAA, it's always it's always been going um, deep corners or like trying to go for the perimeter, um, not as much as trying
0: to go straight down. And why do you say that's different in pro? Like, are you looking to go straight down because the defense is so strong playing the perimeter, or what's the big difference?
1: Yeah, especially in playing my first year in Poland, like that was one of the top leagues and we played champions league that that year we were playing against the top turkish teams and every single girl just bangs like straight down and so um defense and like but like defense is still amazing and i remember um going from poland to switzerland when the middles would run a slide um i was constantly getting yelled at in switzerland for coming in so short for this like to receive a slide on a solo block um because in poland like the middles would hit like straight down to the attack line and then in switzerland the middles were not strong so they were always hitting deeper so like i would get caught deeper like they would tool me off my shoulders <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's such a a small detail, but you're right. That adds up over time, just what angles the middles can hit. So Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of touched on it earlier that you knew, like leaving your 18 year year, that you wanted to play professional volleyball. So Mm -hmm. at what point uh, in your Loyola career could you get in contact with an agent or start to pursue it and kind of look for options to turn pro?
1: At the time, it wasn't. I think, I don't know if the rules are the same now, like NCAA is always changing, but at the time you had to remain like an amateur athlete. So we weren't allowed like any sponsorships, we weren't allowed any like prize money. And so you couldn't speak with agents or professional teams until you were done your last season. So I couldn't, our season was like September to November, December. So I couldn't talk to an agent until um, probably December of my senior year at Loyola
0: okay and that makes sense and with you being Polish heritage did you know you wanted to play in the Poland League or how did that first contract come about because I'm always fascinated how people choose the club and the country and where they want to live like there's a lot of things to consider but looks like you got to go to a top league right off the bat so how did that come together for you
1: um, so I didn't think I would make it into the Polish League at the beginning <laughs> um, I was in talk like speaking with another agent who, I forgot his name, but he used to go to Loyola. He was a men's player there. And now he works for an agency overseas. And I was talking to him and was like planning to go with his agency. And then I think a Polish agent contacted me. Like he saw my videos and stuff. He's like, I already have an offer for you. Um, Like this is what they're offering. Like this city in Poland, like second top team in the top league in Poland. I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Um, but the thing with my contract there was that I had to switch um, my country of origin. And so now I'm actually under uh, the Polish Federation instead of Volleyball Canada.
0: Wow. And was that a lengthy process or because of your like father's heritage of growing up in Poland, was it a pretty easy switch or how does that all come together?
1: It was pretty lengthy and pretty expensive, but it was in my con- in my like team contract that the team would pay for it um but I think it's if you don't play for that country's national team it's i wanna say almost like ten thousand um euros to switch and then if you play for the national team, it's at least double that. Um, And so I, I had to fill out like all these applications and stuff, and they all get sent to the um, FIVB. And they only approve those applications twice during the year once in May and once in December. And I had no idea like that was the case because then I would have done all of that paperwork like way earlier in May and have gotten it approved by then. But because um, we didn't know how long it would take, I didn't fill that out until. I was with the team, um, in August and so had to wait until December to get it all approved. So I didn't lay, like I didn't actually see the court until December.
0: That's, that's fascinating. And is the, the intent of what the club was trying to do was save a foreigner spot because you did have Polish heritage. You could get it. Like what was the, the big pressing issue to have you be representing Poland instead of Canada?
1: Yeah, it was, um, 'Cause in Poland you're only allowed three foreigners on the court. You can have one on the team, but only three on the court at the time. And I think there was I mean, there was hope that I would later on like join the national team. And so if you're part of that club and you're a national team player, it's like it's really good news for the club. And so um I think that's what they were hoping for at the time
0: interesting now i'm curious as you've gone on and played professionally in other countries does that consider you an eu athlete and that's also easier to get contracts or like has there been any like further benefit for this in your career
1: yeah so um the only i, I think this is pretty funny um the only benefit is that because i have my eu passport like i don't need visas when i play in eu so that's one benefit but what i actually i didn't find this out until this year is that i guess countries are put into like five categories in the FIVB, and like poland is in um the fifth category which is the top and that's where like italy and like turkey and all the countries with the top leads are and like the higher that country is in that category the more expensive the transfer fees are And so when, then you're looking at a, a team in like category four, if they're trying to bring a player that is of like, that is under the Polish Federation, they have to pay a lot more money to bring them into that league.
0: So that's that's super interesting about the the Polish uh, citizenship there. That might answer mm-hmm. the question for, for me and the listeners here that why you're not uh, playing for our national team here in Canada. Mm-hmm. So have you pursued playing for their national team, or is there any chance we'll ever see you wear the Maple Leaf? Like obviously you've transferred once, with it's probably a one and done thing with the FIB now, as I, I think about it yeah. here. But um, yeah,
1: it's it's um, one chance and done, done basically.
0: <laughs> so have you had a tryout with Poland, or any like talks with their coach or staff?
1: Uh, no, their, their system is a lot different than I think what I've heard through volleyball Canada it's like, theirs is like, there's this invite only, um, they actually, if you get invited to the national team there, and if you're under 26 and you say no, then they won't approve your transfer fees to go play for any club.
0: That's fascinating.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it used to be I think it used to be twenty nine and then um uh, all the women were complaining that like they wanted to have kids in their late twenties and they couldn't um because they would have to play for the national team. But no, I haven't been invited. I did not have um the best playing experience in Poland when I was there. So I've tried to <laughs> avoid that place uh playing live.
0: So that that leads me to our next question. Obviously, in our sport, uh, it's not uncommon. It's probably more common, actually. Now that I say it, uh, to do one and done contracts, like you sign a one year deal, mm-hmm. and if you like it, the team probably tries to resign you, and if you don't like it, you move on. So, what were some of the talks with your agent to end up in Switzerland the following year?
1: It was so. I went to a. I went from playing at Loyola, where I was a starter all four years, to playing in one of the top leagues in Europe on a top team um, and barely seeing any court time. And it was such a change for me that, and such an adjustment that I just, I couldn't, I couldn't play my best there. And so I wanted to go to a much lower team um, to where, like I just wanted to play at that point because I wasn't seeing court time at all. Um, and so the talk with my agent was that like, I want to go to a team, um, in a decent league, but like, I want to play, so I don't need to be in a top, uh, top team. Like I just want court time at this point.
0: Nice. That makes a lot of sense. And did it help having Laura Condotta there? Like, I'm not sure how close you guys were, but having another Canadian team or did you kind of discover that you were both there after you both signed?
1: Um, so she i signed way earlier in the summer but i like the club didn't release anything and so i kind of kept it low-key and then um i think it was like two months later she signed and i'm actually really good friends with her like we started playing top go titans together like we were beach partners when we were like 15 and stuff so we've been like really good friends so i messaged her immediately and then i like i told the club i'm like yeah like we're really good friends so this is great they're like yeah like you'll be living together so it it just worked out really well for the both of us
0: that's so funny to hear what a small world where yeah you guys are playing Mm -hmm. obab just 15 year olds and then you're playing professionally so what can you tell me about the swiss league because yes like i I don't think we're we're sugarcoating it it is a little bit less level Mm -hmm. than the polish league but did you just have more fun playing volleyball that year because you felt like you were contributing
1: yeah i liked it a lot better like i Um, I think even, I was just more comfortable on the court. Um, I had better relationships like with the girls too, like in, in Poland, it was just so cutthroat and everyone was like trying to beat everyone for, for a spot. Um, and in, in Switzerland, it was, I was actually the oldest girl there in Switzerland (laughs) and I was 23 at the time. So it was quite a young team, um, but I was with Laura and then we had a Croatian setter that we lived with. We were all the same age and we, we got along really well. So it was really good to have like those girls as like a support system. We didn't win that often, but I did have a lot of fun playing.
0: And obviously Switzerland is just a beautiful place to live. So were you in like a city? Were you in a town? Like, What was like some of the off-court stuff like?
1: We are in a really small town. Um, I played for a town called Vottville, but then we lived in the town over called Lichtensteig, and it was tiny. Like, you could walk through the town, um, but it was beautiful, and I think that was kind of, like, in the peak of, like, COVID, so there wasn't much you could do outside, like, foresty things. A lot of things were, were shut down, but... Um, because Switzerland is such an outdoorsy country, it was like, okay, if you want to do something, like just go for a hike and like, you'll find like a nice mountain. And, and so that was, uh, how we spent a lot of our off time there.
0: Nice. And then you make the move once more. So how did the contract come up with, uh, to go play in Israel?
1: Uh, we, well, I did not have a lot of offers, um, that following summer. And the contract came pretty late, i think um but it was i guess someone like one agent um worked was working with a manager in in uh in Israel, and so he was contacting other agents, and I think that's how he contacted my agent how he basically how he got the offer for that um and yeah, it just I it, like it, it fell into place. Um, I think I, I was really hesitant with a country like Israel. It's you don't hear the most pleasant things on the news about it and stuff. But I'm really happy with that decision. Like I had a great time there. It was really good. It was a pretty strong league. Like I found it at least the top six teams. I found stronger than the teams in Switzerland. So it was like a nice upgrade. Got along with all the girls. Had great teammates. So. Really liked my experience there.
0: Yeah, just looking up and down the roster here, obviously there was no other Canadians on the team, but did it help having some like Americans that maybe were just like more English speaking, or would everybody could you communicate with your coach and everybody else on your team?
1: Yeah, so everyone almost everyone spoke um really good English. Yeah, there was a American, but the thing in Israel is that if you're um if you're Jewish and you do your birthright trip. Um you can play in Israel like as a local um because I think they're only allowed for foreigners um so you can play as a local, but you don't have to change your like country of origin like I did for Poland, so there are actually a lot of um Americans playing like professional sports in Israel, so there's just so many people <laughs> that you meet out there and people. And they stay there for years because they just love it out there. So I had like one American who was as a foreigner and then another one there as playing as a local. And then another one who her dad was um an American playing basketball. And so her dad's American. Her mom is Israeli, but like she speaks perfect English as well. So it was like, it felt like time.
0: <laughs> now I, I'm curious with what you kind of commented about, like how the top half of the league was really competitive. And obviously you being a foreigner there, was there a lot of expectations to perform? Like were you guys to finish third in, in the cup series? Was that a big accomplishment for the club or did they kind of expect a little bit more?
1: Um, they, I think they definitely expected more. Uh, they finished second huh, in the cup. I don't, I think they finished third or fourth in, in the cup, but, um, in the championship, they finished second the year before. Um, and they were expecting that or even better. Um, but I think that year that I went into Israel, the teams, um, got so much more competitive and like those top teams brought in really good foreigners and, like the level of play and so much from the year before. And I don't, there were a few teams that um, weren't ready for that. And I don't think, unfor- I. you could probably ask the other partners on my team too. Like they would agree. Like we just weren't prepared for that. Um, I think they prepared us for the season prior and like, we just weren't able to get like the gym space and like the practice time in order to compete with the
0: top two teams. Nice. Nice. And is there any behind the scenes you can give me and the listeners here about uh, what's in the works for next year? Like, are you going to continue playing pro? Has your agent given you any options? Like, what are you looking forward to next year?
1: Um, So a contract is signed. I can't tell you the team name. Yeah, I can't. (laughs) So it hasn't been released yet, but I can tell you the country. So I'll be going to um, Cyprus this coming year.
0: Oh, congratulations. So obviously Thank a you. pretty warm weather country, good, good league. Like I think Laura Kandata yeah. just played there. So maybe she gave you some intel yeah. on what to expect. Yeah,
1: she told me. Uh, um, uh, and like I was told that the league is looking stronger than it did in Israel. So I'm looking forward to that. And it's, it's a good team there. So I'm, I'm really happy with her.
0: Nice. Well, congratulations on that. And thanks for the behind the scenes. We'll look for the official post. I was hoping to break some news here, but that's okay. We'll just uh, be happy for you that you're going to continue going here. So uh, just the last question I had for you was uh, you you come home every summer and you're, you're coaching kids and sometimes you play one volleyball or you just kind of contribute in different ways. Like why is it so important for you to stay connected to the volleyball community? Because like I'm at the beach a lot and I see people who do it as a job. And then I see people who are smiling and having a good day every time. So why is it so important for you that you play volleyball year round as a professional, but when you come home, you're just such a volleyball person that you want to be around kids and you want to help out. Like what are you getting out of this experience where you give so much?
1: Oh, I just love it. Um, it's, you know, I play overseas and then I come back and I kind of take like, I come back around April or May. I'll take that month off. And after that, I just get that itch and I want to, I want to be back in it. Um, But I love how carefree and there's no pressure in the summer with it. It's like a really nice break for me, Um, especially like playing as a foreigner. There's constant pressure on you all year round to perform. And so coming back, it's just it's just fun for me.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. And and like I said, like we're not by the courts by you, but I think every time I walk by the boardwalk, it seems like you and the other Phoenix coaches are having a great time. And there's so many kids playing volleyball. It's just a cool vibe. And you're definitely contributing to that. So yeah, I just wanted to get your perspective on that. And then the last thing we do on the show, just we've built a new uh, tradition is just to tell a funny or unique story. So we've heard about uh, switching citizenship and playing pro and playing for a good NCAA school, but man, something odd or funny must've happened along the way because the volleyball community is just so funny and unique. So uh, I was hoping you could share a funny story before we let you go.
1: God, I have, I have so many, but they involve other people that I don't want to mention. But um, I think a, a good one was my my third year at Loyola, we went on a, trip to Italy with my team. And so we did like a ten day trip. We started in Rome, ended in Venice. Um and we played some volleyball in between there, but like we got to see all of Italy and it was amazing. But we so you travel with your your coaches and we went um I guess some parents came with us and the athletic director also came with us and his daughter was on our team and then his mother came with us as well. So um the my teammates grandmother and you just see like a whole new side of like your coaches and like the the ad when you're on vacation with them um obviously like in the ncaa like really have like with your coaches um but you know when in rome there's a lot of wine and everything involved but i went i saw a couple of uh with the ad and i think our funniest was experience with him was um going up we were in uh the northern part of italy in this place called cinque terre and it's like five these five like coastal cities um and you can you can hike in between them and you can or you can take like a little uh train in between them we were in one town um my group just happened to be with the ad we were in one town and. They called it the stairway to heaven. And it's like, I think 500 stairs up this mountain. And then you get like a amazing view, um, of the Mediterranean and a, of all the cities. <laughs> and one of my teammates goes, Oh yeah, like before we go up there, like I really need to find a bathroom. I really got to pee. And he goes, Oh yeah, just go like here right behind this park. Like, I have no toilet paper. He just whips out his backpack rolls of toys we're like oh, okay thanks mr ad that, that's great
0: <laughs> yeah you're technically the boss of everyone here and you're the one like encouraging this behavior so
1: <laughs> yeah we're like okay
0: well, oh, that's fine <laughs> no that's so cool because you're right like I, I think as coaches or administrators like you you kind of pride yourself on being serious and professional like a role model where mm-hmm. you kind of let them see them let their guard down a little bit so i think those trips are amazing where like this doesn't break any of the NCAA hours or the rules because they're pretty strict yeah. on how often you can practice, but you guys can take a trip to Italy and that's not monitored at all.
1: No. Cause it was our, it was post season. It was in May. And I mean, we didn't even get that many hours of volleyball in there. Like we couldn't practice and stuff. We just had a couple games set up, but it was through some, I don't know how it works with the NCAA. It was through some tour group. And there are a lot of teams that, do these trips like during during spring break or like at the beginning of summer. And it's just, just to get girls, some um, experience playing overseas and, and some of them want to get, uh, looked at by coaches out there. Um, yeah, I mean, there isn't, it's not as intense as your training back in, uh, back in the States. So it's more of like a little like school trip. So it's not as monitored as
0: practices are usually. Awesome. Well, what a great experience. And yeah, thanks for sharing all that you did tonight. And yeah, we're we're breaking a little bit of news. We'll announce the club later, but uh, best of luck with you going to Cyprus. That's really exciting and just so happy with you. And and thanks for sharing all that you did.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me. And you know what? I still remember 18 U Nationals. I wanted you to have a beer with me because we were in Calgary. So technically I was legal there. And so I'm still holding you to it. I'm still waiting on that.
0: Well, now that like you've been the oldest on your professional team, I feel like that's acceptable. But we're at 18U, it was just not happening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll give it, I'll give you that one.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks again, Gabby.
1: Thanks, Josh.